welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. Um, so here we are, Galatians 2.20, uh, and uh, we're going to um, read it again to you. Cheryl said to me this morning, she said, you never read that verse, did you? And I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure I did. And uh, she, she obviously wasn't there. So I'm going to read it again. <laughs> We're having this discussion. Yeah, yeah. So if OK says, then we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she often tunes out when I'm speaking. And Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And this morning, uh, this evening, sorry... Uh, I want to speak about the very last section of this verse that says, in the, uh, <laughs> I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I want to concentrate on this, this last portion, this section of the, it says, who loved me and gave himself for me. In Titus chapter 2 verse 14, it says this, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And I was reading from the King James Version for that. Uh, I should have told Nathaniel that in advance, but I didn't. Um, That because I wanted to... um, I wanted to particularly concentrate on the, the I, I just like the way that the King James Version reads. Let me read that to you again. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Everyone say peculiar. There's some peculiar people I know. <laughs> Zealous of good works. And you know, when Jesus gave himself... He knew that he was going to achieve the results for which he was doing them. He says he gave himself that. And there was a purpose for the giving of himself. It says in John 12, 27, he says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Jesus gave himself for this purpose. There was a purpose for which he gave himself. He came that he might give of his life, give of who he was. He, he gave himself and took away from his throne. He came from the throne of glory, giving up the purity and the perfection of heaven and gave himself that he might live amongst men and sacrifice upon the cross that we might be redeemed from iniquity, the Bible says. And, and you know, this word iniquity is a, it's such a simple word, and yet it, it holds within it all of the depravity of humanity. It kind of sums up everything that is uh, wrong with mankind, all that we are, and everything that has, um, everything that has controlled us, everything that has, um, that, is, that is kind of, that we have struggled with. And you know, um, in everything, in all of our sinful nature, in all of the nature of who we are as, as human beings, there is something in all of us that we know that we wrestle with something called, you know, just that repeat nature. Yeah. 
There's a repeat nature in it. There's a repeat button, a repeat cycle in all of us, isn't there? And we know that 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 is in us, and yet we don't know how to deal with it. Paul says, "O wretched man that I am." He, he speaks in Romans. He says, "O wretched man." He, he, he he's wrestling with this sinful man. I, I want to do good works. The good works that I want to do, I, I don't do, and the, the bad works that I that I don't want to do, I, I do do. And and how how does this go on in, in our lives? But Bible says that that Jesus came in Titus and redeemed us from iniquity. And the word iniquity literally means lawlessness. In 1 John 3 verse 4 it says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that He was manifest to take away our sin. And in Him there is no sin. So in this verse we have this incredible portion of scripture that whoever commits sin commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness and you know that he was manifest to take it away. Now the clue in how to deal with our repeat nature is in the word lawlessness. We struggle with lawlessness because we are lawless. Now one I remember Many years ago, we were struggling with uh, someone who had come to church and, and we were struggling pastorally with their pastoral issues. And uh, they were a difficult person. They were causing a number of other people problems. It's amazing how some people just cause other people problems. They, they bring their problems to church and they, they put their problems. They don't, they don't deal with their problems in Jesus they share their problems. <laughs> their problems multiply. And, uh, and I remember, and I was just like, it was um, early days of our, our ministry, and um, Bob and Phyllis, who were our assistant uh, pastors, uh, working with us, and Phyllis, uh, a strong, mature lady in faith, says, it's lawlessness. And it was a revelation to me. That's exactly it. it it's lawless. Their behavior is lawless and to be lawless is to live outside of the law to have that extreme where you are not constrained to those things which are right now if you want to know how to deal with why do you sin repetitively why is there a repeat button in your life why because there is a lawless nature to you there is a nature which is just, it's called rebellion. It's someone who won't be constrained to those areas where God has called you to walk a certain path. You know, the kingdom of God is a narrow path and the world is a wide one. Why is it wide? Well, because it's lawless. It doesn't have any constraint. The kingdom of God Now, we are not under the law of the old covenant. There was an old covenant written uh, by Moses. And Moses wrote a covenant according to God's word. And he wrote this covenant and it constrained people according to an old covenant. But Jesus came to get rid of that covenant and cut a new one. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is a law which separates us 
from sin and enables us to walk in Him because He set us free from sin. But we still struggle with sin and we struggle with it because we live lawlessly rejecting what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross. And if you want to know how to walk free, to walk in liberty, you walk by faith declaring that you are subject to Jesus Christ. And if you can subject yourself to Jesus Christ, you can deal with the repeat nature that is going off in your head. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Maybe you're struggling with, with just issues where you just wish you didn't do that. Sometimes, so many people just struggle with their mouth. How many of you know your mouth is your biggest enemy? I'm... I, I like talking to people. I like talking. Talking is my job. <laughs> That's why God employed me. <laughs> I'll do. He doesn't know when to shut up. I'll use him. And talking is something that has blessed me and it's cursed me. <laughs> there have been many times when I just didn't zip it. <laughs> I should have just shut up. I should have just left it there. But I just kept going. Whee, here we go. Having such a good time. There's Cheryl looking at me. And I'm just going off. And, you, and then you come home, there's that sense of, maybe I said too much. Everybody knows that feeling. Or all those who've got that same personality. You just don't know when to zip it. And you know, there is a, there is a lawless nature in all of us that we just find within ourselves that we won't constrain ourselves to the discipline of living by faith in Christ, but rather we reject it and go off and just do our own thing because that's what we prefer. None of us want to. If there's, Cheryl and I were in holiday in, um, in for her fortieth. Um, we I took her to Tuscany, and um, we were flying in and out of Pisa. And Pisa, to be honest with you, is not the greatest place in Italy to go. It's a bit of a Pisa is a bit of a letdown. There's a building, it's falling over, and uh, <laughs> and there's loads of people selling you T-shirts with a building falling over, and, uh, and there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one, and there, and then they've got a pizza shop selling selling you the most disgusting pizza you've ever eaten. If you ever want to eat bad pizza, go to Italy, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, some of the worst food we've ever eaten in the whole world was in Italy. And <laughs> we're going, right, I won't go there and I won't go there. And, and you know, we're, there we are and we're, we're in Pisa. And I don't know why I've told this story. I'm going, what was I talking about before then? <laughs> yeah, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> got to know when to shut up, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I just don't know. <laughs> It'll come back to me. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that when Jesus... <laughs> Sometimes you just got to know when to stop and move on. 
The Bible says that when Jesus came, he offered himself that iniquity might be destroyed. When Jesus gave his life upon the cross, that instant moment, there was a moment when iniquity, lawlessness was shattered once and for all throughout all time. See, the price that he paid upon the cross um, shattered through time and it redeemed the patriarchs who lived their life before And it is still constantly redeeming mankind to this day and into eternity, paying the price for all sin. It is a timeless act that is having such power that all sin that you have committed and will commit under the name of Jesus Christ and by His blood, you are redeemed. You are set free. But we have to understand that when Jesus Christ came, it says in Galatians, let me go back there, 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who lives, but the life, and no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You see, when Jesus Christ gave himself, he knew that we would have a life in him that was unique, free from the grip of the things that have controlled man, that we may be unique and peculiar to him and to his purposes. You see, there is nothing like a person who is saved. There is something supernaturally and spiritually unique in your life. You are now unique. You are now peculiar. Turn to the person and say, you look peculiar. (laughs) You've always wanted to say that, haven't you? It's better than, that's better than the time I t- got everyone to turn and say to them, you're a fat cow. That was, uh, that was when I was reading from Malachi, when it says, you shall go for like fattened calves. And uh, <laughs> you're a fat cow. <laughs> so there's always a time, a joy to stretch scripture. <laughs> But Jesus came and he liberated us from iniquity. He set us free from the constraints of sin, which is lawlessness. This this independent thinking that causes us to say, I'm going to do my own thing or I am the Lord over my life. Lawlessness is creating your own law without any without any rules. In other words, my law is, I do what I want. In other words, I don't submit to Jesus Christ. So when you know that you have a repeat nature, your repeat nature is, I must, if I submit to Jesus Christ, I discover that I'm free from those things which control me. Because a lawless person is constrained And a person who lives according to the law of liberty and life in Christ Jesus is free. 
the very opposite of what you would mentally think within your mind. And so we have to understand that in Christ, we are free. It says in Romans 8 verse 4 that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You know, a life which is free is a life which is found in Jesus Christ. People live their lives in the flesh, the flesh nature, the sin nature, the things which constrain you, which trouble you, and never get free of it. But the Bible says, let me go back to Titus, it says here, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. And this is where I want to get to. This is where I'm working towards because there is a uniqueness of someone who is born again. I believe that when you become born again, something supernaturally changes within your life which makes you unique as a human being. Literally. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you're not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. You're still carnal. For where there is envy, strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? Well, isn't that what it's supposed to behave like? That's what people behave like, isn't it? People. You're behaving like people. <laughs> you can imagine their brains going, uh, we are men. That's what we are. That's what, you know, a dog behaves like a dog. A dog barks, woofs, pees, sniffs. <laughs> That's what a dog does. A man, he behaves like a man. That's what we do. But Paul says, you are not mere men anymore. You don't behave like men anymore. For one says, I am of Paul, another of Paul, uh, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? In other words, if you understand this, you are not, if you behave like a man, you behave according to a lawless nature. In other words, you will always be gripped by the things you're gripped with. You'll never change. You'll never find that ability to change unless you discover this very truth. When Jesus came and redeemed you as a, um, upon the cross, he set you free in that instant moment. The power of that moment is shattering through the ages of time and has gripped a hold of your life and enabled you to walk in a liberty and a freedom and a power that you are suddenly have been set free to be a unique people. That we are unique, that we are chosen, that we are a peculiar people. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had 
not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. We see around the world, there are many people groups who are not a people. They don't have a nation. They don't have borders. They don't have rights. They are, they are considered something less than, than other people. The, the famous one that used to be is the Kurds. They now have um, a, um, they now have a uh, far more sort of rights and, than they used to have. I remember that the first Mediterranean holiday that, that Sharon and I had, had ever had um, Boaz was um, about 18 months and um, we, had, um, we went to Turkey uh, and we're there and, and uh, we're, we're there and Boaz, because he's about 18 months, they're, they're very family orientated and go in the restaurant and the waiters come along and steal your children and uh, you're like, you know, <laughs> and uh, so talking, they're talking away and, and um, he, he, so the waiter comes, he says, so, so where are you from? And so I said, I'm from Scotland. And uh, I don't tell him I'm, in, I'm English, but, you know, I'm from Scotland. Oh, I'm a Kurd. <laughs> He's in Turkey, you know, I'm a Kurd. I understand. I go, <laughs> I'm like, okay. I won't say actually I'm English, but, you know. <laughs> and there he is as a, as a Kurd in, in Turkey living under the radar, you know, a persecuted people like the Scottish. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, and you know, there are, there are many people who are, who are not a people, but Jesus came to take each one of us and give us a name without a qualification, without having passed an exam Many of you are studying. Many of you have paid a huge price, have put many years of effort into a qualification for a, a, a degree, a master's, a doctorate. Have put in this huge amount of effort for qualifications that give you access and give you opportunity to put your step forward. But when you confess the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus says you are a royal priesthood. Suddenly you change from being a no one to a royal family, a special people, a unique, above and beyond what is going on around the world. Something amazing has touched your life and lifted you out of the mire of humanity and said you don't have to live that way anymore. You can live above. You can live in the royal nature of the kingdom of God. You can live like a prince. You can live in the, in the kingdom of God knowing that there is such provision. There is such royalty. There is such a, a hand of anointing anointing and blessing for your life, lifting you and enabling you to have such freedom and liberty that you have never known before. See, the kingdom of God is a kingdom that teaches us through humility, through the brokenness of spirit, to step up and discover that in fact we are kings and that we are priests. We are people who live Not in the brokenness of life, but in the victory of what he achieved for us. You see, on the cross, we know he defeated the enemy, right? The battle was won right there. You might be having a battle 
right now, but it was won. The battle was won. Your battle with your troubles, where you're struggling to pay the rent, your battles where you're struggling in yourself, where you're struggling to stop your mouth, where you're struggling to put away those cigarettes, where you're struggling to, to just get into that place of, of freedom, where you're struggling to stop. Maybe some of you here are, are wrestling with pornography. I know that many people do, and it's such a grip upon their lives. I want to tell you something, that Jesus Christ died upon the cross, that you don't have to suffer with that addiction and, and that um, that grip, there's so many, I'm telling you, there are so many people who are gripped by it. And even in this room, I know full well there are people in this room who are gripped by it. And I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ came to set you free from it. We're kings. We don't live in that squalor. You don't live in that squalor. You don't live in that, the drain of that filth. You've been lifted above it. You've been set free from it. You are not lawless anymore, but you are constrained by a royal law. A law which puts a crown upon your head, a robe around your shoulders. It places the, the, um, the armor of the living king around your life that you know that you can stand in liberty and freedom. There is a law, a royal law of the kingdom of God, which we are now subject to because we are a special people. Peculiar in this world because it doesn't measure to their standards. It doesn't measure. There is a big debate because of the, um, the British and the Scottish um, with, the, with the British, will, will Scotland vote yes or will they vote no? And because of this constant on the radio, they're having these discussions about what it means to be British and what it means to be English and I don't know whether it means anything, to be honest with you, but people are trying to define it, to try and say what's unique about Britain and, and all of these. And so British people are, are saying, this is what it means and this is what we lost. When, and they're going through all different historical sort of moments and, and uh, they're, they're trying to define all these these British, these things which would qualify you. And then they're talking about immigration and whether people can... Um, can uh, emigrate into the United Kingdom and, and what, must they, what must their qualifications be to allow them to, to come and have and share with us what we have because we must be special because we've got a, a wonderful country here and it's a special country so, so if we're going to let people come then they've got to be special too. We can't just let anybody in. You can tell that I don't necessarily agree with that line of thinking. But I want to tell you something, that, that Jesus Christ did exactly that. He just let anybody in. It didn't, it didn't matter who they are. He let in the most depraved, the most broken, the most vile, the most sinful. He just let them all in. He just said, no, no, you can come into my kingdom. Don't worry about them. They want all kinds of visa stamps and all kinds of... They want you to stand on one leg for 10 years just before you can come into... They want you to have qualifications coming out your ear holes before you can come into our nation. Oh, no, but Jesus Christ said, no, you can come into my... I don't care who you are. You can come into my nation because in my nation, you become my special people. That is who the kingdom of God is. Man has all kinds of fancy rules. 
as to what makes a nation. But God has something quite unique. And it is this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that you have sinned and that you have done your own thing, yet you have confessed your sin and given it over to Jesus Christ. And you've humbled yourself and said, I won't be proud anymore, but I will live in the humility of knowing that a king came and saw me in my brokenness. And not by my works, but by his, he lifted me up and said, sit with me in heavenly places. Sit with me and share with me in the richness of my kingdom. Share with me what I have got to offer. That's what it means to be a peculiar people. That's why we're peculiar. That's why the world doesn't get it. Because we don't measure to their standards and their crazy rules. No, we measure to the grace that is in Jesus Christ. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.